Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Well, I realized that last week was Father's Day and I began to speak to you on a subject that was detailed for the men, but I believe that God's word is for everybody. And so today I want to see if I can finish this conversation we started last week. Something we titled, Success Without Compromise. More and more it is my prayer, and I trust it is yours as well, that somehow the Lord will begin to inspire us more and more to seek Him at a closer distance. In this world where we're going through such a difficult time economically, governmentally, and just in every way. It's just been difficult for us all. I realize that the church has felt it. We have felt it financially. We have felt it spiritually. We have felt it in many ways. And instead of shrinking back, I've come to challenge you this morning that more so now than ever, we need to draw close to God. Instead of running from God during these times, you see a lot of people are using these moments of distress and sadness, if you will, and trouble as a means to find excuses to run from God. To find uh, within themselves an excuse that says, what for? Nothing helps anything anyway. Reminds me of the people in the times of the apostles when Peter said that people said around him, where is this God? You said he has been coming since the days of the beginning and nothing's happened. There's a sense of hopelessness. And I believe that we are reliving those moments today. People are saying, well, where is God in all of this? Well, I believe that God is here. I believe that he is still holding fast to his plan and his purpose. I still believe in his word that says to us that though the heavens and the earth may pass away, still his promised word will remain forever. And those things which he has spoken on behalf of the church will come to pass. This is, these are just the birthing pangs. These are not meant to destroy. These are not meant to crush. These are not meant to disappoint. These are meant to inspire people to seek God even at a closer distance. Because of how the economy is, it seems like every man, woman, and child is running towards the finding a means how to better uh, economize and make themselves better economically. And it's understood. Uh, Nobody understands faith in this world. They understand finances, though. And so there's an understanding when we see people trying to be successful in life with every ounce of strength and, and investment they can to be able to to get themselves to a place where they used to know maybe just even a few years ago that place of comfort and say, you know, we're doing okay. We could buy a dozen eggs for a couple of dollars, but now you can't find one for less than seven, eight, nine dollars. It's a difficult time. And so people are applying for bitter things and people are trying to do different things to better find success for themselves. And again, I say it's understandable. 
But I come to give you a fair warning that we can get so involved with trying to survive in this world and trying to do things for ourselves, trying to uh, get all that overtime we can in weekends that we begin to miss church and we begin to, to cool off in our walk with God. That is such a greater loss. The Bible does tell us, every one of us in this place, that it will profit a man nothing to gain this world and yet lose his soul. And so there is great warning I believe that there's a certain evil tactic, even what's going on governmentally, even what's going on economically, and all these things, I believe, are the wiles of the devil trying to, again, manipulate us to begin to look for other things that will take the place of our trust in God. Well, I've come to remind you this morning by using the life of Daniel. We were introduced to him last week. And how this young man at such a young age, he found success. He was able to be prospered. He was a man of recognition. He was a man of honor amongst many in a principality that was pagan. You see, we live in a pagan world. But can you, isn't it amazing to think that even in this lost world, the world would be seeking the wisdom of a godly man. Yet that was the case in the time of Daniel. We know that Nebuchadnezzar and the whole principality of Babylon, they were all pagan people. They were worshiping all kinds of God and running away from God, destroying the temple. All these things, running from God as far as they could. Yet, when it came to a time of need, they sought after a man of God. And I believe in my heart, though the world may deny it, As much as they want to admit that they don't need Jesus in this world, in their hearts I believe they cry because that's the only place of security that even the unbeliever knows exists. But here's the challenge for us all. Yes, amen. Here's the challenge for us all. You see, in the time of Daniel, when there was such a need, Daniel was there. Daniel was there to benefit the world he was living in. Now, I want to challenge us with this. This world needs men and women of God. It needs families of God. The challenge, the, the challenge of the hour this morning is, will we be here for them in this unbelieving world? Will we be the Daniels of this time where people need wisdom and counsel from God? Something is going to bring them up and show them the right way. Will be, we, the church, be available to them as Daniel was in his time. I believe that that's the challenge that the Lord is placing upon the hearts of the church today. Instead of the church being involved and trying to be successful in its own way and become the biggest church in the universe and trying to have the biggest venues and the loudest speakers and the brightest lights and all these things, God wants us to invest our time in becoming Daniels in this time. When people seek the wisdom of God, there has to be a family. There has to be a church. There has to be the remnant of God who is here to answer and give answer to those who ask the questions. Where is this God that I need? And Daniel was that man. But he did it in a very specific way. And these are the principles that I want to give you this morning. Let me quickly go over what we first discussed last week. The first thing that Daniel was and the scripture proves to us is that he was a man of purpose. Now I'll use the word family now. 
I'll use the word women and men now and young people. We must be a family of purpose. Your family must be a family of purpose. You must be a woman of purpose. You must be a man of purpose. You must be a young person of purpose. You see, a lot of people call life simply a shot in the dark. That's the slang term they use. It's just a shot in the dark. Well, our lives were never meant to be a shot in the dark. They were meant to be a walk in the light. Every single one of us. But in order for us to walk in this light, we must propose in our hearts, we must resolve in our hearts that we want to and will do anything to nurture that walk in the Lord. Now, for the sake of time, I won't be reading all the passages that we read in this particular principle last week, but we read out, read out of Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 on through 8, where the Bible tells us that the king was looking for young people to help them out in the kingdom. And he took these three young, four young Hebrew boys to work with him. And he tried to instruct them on his own. He tried to give them the best wines and the best meals and the best training his worldly empire could offer. Yet in their heart, the Bible says, Daniel proposed, he resolved, he premeditatedly chose not to be involved with the worldly things that was trying to be impressed upon him. Now we considered the challenge, and I, we laughed a little bit last week when we thought about the things that were offered to this young man, the shiny things. He, he wasn't getting an offer to become second in command. He was, he, was, he, was, he was getting an offer to come and sit with royalty. He was given all the shiny things, all the better things of life. And I say to you that today so many people are chasing after the best things in life. That's all they want. The biggest dream that anybody has is, I can't wait to have that castle on a hill. I can't wait to, to drive that car that nobody else can afford. I, I can't wait to live in Hollywood Hills. I, I can't wait to, to wear 15, 20 pounds of gold around my neck. Doing everything. People are getting educated to find that space. People are trying to create things to find that space. Doing all kinds of things. To find that place of success. As if somehow now having all the money in the world would solve all the problems in the world. But yet how many times have we read in the news and how all the rich people and how many rich people should I say in the richest places have taken their own lives because of bitterness. You see it's all a gimmick. It's all a lie. It's all meant to entice you. It's all meant to get your eyes off of Christ, the true treasure. And to get your eyes on temporal things that will dissipate, fall away, and depreciate. In order for us to be able to pursue that and stay on course is that we must determine. We must be a people of purpose. You remember Joshua? Joshua 24, guys, maybe you can put that up there. Let's read a little bit. Joshua 24, verse 14. Let's read a little bit. It just kind of comes into my heart right now. I'm thinking of him and how he convinced the people to be a people of purpose. Now, fear the Lord 
and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Keep going, please. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves, that is, propose in your heart. Resolve this issue. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, will have to one day have to choose. You can't choose the best of both worlds, as we are accustomed saying. And this is what Joshua is saying. If it seems undesirable, then you choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, here comes purpose. Here comes purpose. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But then listen to the heart of the people. Because they had that example in front of them. They saw how God worked in the life of Joshua. The people say unto him. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You see where purpose takes control of a people? How I pray on a daily basis that we would become a church of purpose. That we truly had an earnest desire to propose deep in our hearts that we're going to serve the Lord at the best that we can. To do everything we can to fulfill the desire of God's heart for this ministry. That you would take that challenge in your own life and look at your house and say, you know what? From this moment on, I propose in my heart, I choose, I premeditatedly choose to make my house that house of prayer and worship unto the Lord. You see, that's God's desire for us. It was through these actions, we're going to move on a little bit. It's through these actions that Daniel began to find success and God began to prosper him. The Bible says that a man can receive nothing lest it be given to him by God. It goes on to tell that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father of lights. So there's nothing we can gain for ourselves that will be worth anything unless God provides it for you. But before that, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 6 and 33, it tells us that we must serve the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want us to look at our families this morning and look at the things that we lack and the things that we're struggling with, and be honest with ourselves and, and look at our homes. What are we pursuing as a home? What are we pursuing? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we helping our children to accomplish? What are we encouraging our husbands to accomplish? What are we encouraging our wives to accomplish? If God was to take a look at each and every one of our households, what would he say your goal is? That's a challenging question. I think that those answers come quick sometimes from a father that wants to educate his children. I believe that that answer comes quick when you talk to a father who wants to provide a good home for their children because those are the first things that pop up. But I'm wondering how many of us would stop and say, Lord, if nothing else in this life, we want our home to worship you. 
to love you, to live for you, regardless of the lack of riches, according to what the world calls riches, according to those things that we may consider as prosperous, Father. Our success comes in knowing and worshiping you. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible tells us, the Lord speaking himself, he said, let the strong man not boast in his strength. Let the knowledgeable man, those who are able, he mentions certain qualities and things that people really lean on. He says, don't boast on these things. Boast, if you must, on this, that you know me. Know me. And this was Daniel. This is who he was. A man, a young man who proposed in his heart to seek the Lord. I spoke to you about Moses and how Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I spoke to you about Joshua and how he and his house, in the middle of such a pagan social life, a world around him rather, chose to serve the Lord. And so must you and I today ladies and gentlemen the second thing that we can look at Daniel that we need to emulate is that he was a man of principle a man of principle what does this mean it means that he refused to compromise his convictions for other things he refused to compromise what he believed in his heart to trade him off for the ideas and ideologies of somebody else. Daniel 1 and 8 reads, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. He said, This is my conviction. This is who I am. This is how I function. Don't ask me to follow your ways. It's important to be a person of conviction. He wasn't simply acting uh, holier than thou when he was saying, oh, I, sorry, I, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegan. He, he wasn't talking about anything like that. He was talking about his heart. But how important for him, he had built these things deep inside. He had proposed in his heart to serve the Lord. And he knew the things that he needed to nurture in order for his walk with God to, to grow at greater measure. That when they offered him things to do, he said, no thanks. My convictions say otherwise. He wasn't being proud or arrogant. He wasn't simply refusing uh, such an honorable, if you would, uh, uh, invitation. I'm sure anyone else in the kingdom would have said, who me at your house, O king, to sit and eat the fatted calf and eat the choicest wines and eat the, the most delicious fruit and all these things. What an honor. Sure. But that wasn't Daniel at all. See, the convictions of my heart says that regardless of what you offer me, I'm not going to break those convictions. I'm not going to turn around and do what you've asked me to do. You see, young people, this is so important for you to hear as well as for us as adults. How many of us simply give in at the first invitation? How many of us give in at the first invitation? Hey, man, you want to go here? Well, I normally don't go there. Let's go. Okay, just this time. Just like that. Your convictions go out the door. 
regardless of how much you've wrestled for those convictions, you still do the things that are going to hurt your walk with God. Your convictions are laid by the wayside. You see, it's important for us to look at invitations and balance them on the balance of principle. Not simply just a, a, a lucrative uh, invitations or, or things that benefit you on the surface, but things that truly weigh, truly weigh down in your heart as things that you practice or you don't practice. Daniel kept sight of his convictions. He was a man that was committed to God in and out. His testimony was at stake for him. His testimony. Sometimes we give on, we give away our convictions without, uh, again, a, 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 a considering what it's going to do to your testimony. Oh, but I only did it one time, but it only takes one time. I only went there one time. Isn't it funny how when you're a Christian and you're invited to go someplace that is not too convenient, you may have never gone in your life. But the moment you do go, the whole Christian world is there. Don't you find humor in that? I thank God for moments like this. Because you're watching yourself and you're going into that club. And when you're driving in the driveway, you've got the pastor looking. See how many of his parishioners are going into that club. No. Just for a moment, just for a split second, God embarrasses you that way. And it's not even God. I believe it's the devil just to make you red-faced and embarrassed and it'll cause you to run from God. Conviction. Conviction is much more important than popularity. Conviction is so much more important than things that you can gain for yourself only for a minute. You know, there's a scripture that a lot of people really, really embrace as a convenient passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, there may be things that I'm able to do. Maybe things that I don't consider a heaven and hell issue. But do you have that right to weigh them that way? Wasn't it Paul who said, even myself, I don't judge myself because on that day, the one who judged me will indeed judge me. He's going to judge our works. So the best thing to do is to stay away from that and ask God, Lord, is this right? Because God will tell you. But a lot of people lean on, you know, it's permissible to me. Uh, what's so bad about it? Well, to your flesh, nothing. But to God, everything. It's not beneficial. You know how many Christians have destroyed uh, their uh, testimony simply because they thought it was permissible? Well, I'm going to go to that party, but I'm not going to drink. But the passerby that passes by looks at you and you happen to be just handing somebody something. You see, that was okay. We know that you were not drinking that. But was it beneficial? 
because you may have destroyed a life. I've said this before, and it's almost cliche, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't go to the movies hardly. I've only been to the movies probably in my the past 45 years about maybe twice. How boring, right? Yeah, but you know why I don't go? Because of you. You've taken my movie going. You know why? Because I refuse to be walking into a theater where the titles are different than what I should be watching, even though I'm going to go watch Peter Rabbit or whatever. Even if I'm taking Olivia for a cartoon. You don't know that. But I know what your mind will tell you. And then I'm expected to come behind this altar and talk to you about holiness when you say, like, Pastor, weren't you at the bistro? Do you understand what I'm saying? These things are permissible. But not all things are beneficial. Sometimes you have to do things, and more things than not, you have to do things on conviction. Why don't you go? Just because I don't go. I don't need an excuse other than that's how I feel. I don't do those things. I don't practice those things. I don't allow those things in my house. I don't allow things like this. Uh, I, I don't hang around with people with these kind of convictions because it's not beneficial for me. I cannot do that. And that's how serious our walk with God should be, ladies and gentlemen. Some of us don't care about these things. Well, I have friends from everywhere. Or you just like them as well. They know you as a friend from anywhere. I want people to know me as a man of God. Not because I'm holier than thou, but I want them to see that there's a distinction between me and them. That there's something I can offer them in the sense of hope. That there is another way of life other than the way this world is leading us to live. I have convictions. We need to live and embrace those convictions and make those convictions Make sure that those convictions are aligned with God's word. Let me move on this morning. Daniel was a man of purity. That goes hand in hand with convictions and purity. The Bible says that these men who were in full support of him at the beginning, they brought Daniel to the king and the king gave him a position and they found that he was an excellent young man after the testings and everything he went through. That when the king decided to give Daniel a promotion, they got jealous of him. They got jealous of him. And they began to try to find ways to destroy his credibility. But yet the Bible says that they could not find any corruption in the life of this young man because he was trustworthy the bible says in the book of daniel chapter 6 verse 4 i believe it is they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy neither corrupt nor negligent what does negligent mean when someone is negligent could that maybe be synonymous to careless yes how many are, of us are living negligent Christian lives? This is Daniel's testimony. There was no corruption in him. He was trustworthy. He was not corrupt, 
neither was he careless or negligent. These things took this man to a place of purity. Where he began to work on himself and those things. He was not going to be negligent about allowing anything in his life that was going to cause a mess. That's what made Daniel pure. Every step that he took, he took it premeditatedly, not negligently. He chose to stay away from things that were corrupt. He chose to embrace things that were trustworthy. All these things are found in Scripture. Anything that is trustworthy and noble of these things, think the Bible says. This is how serious our walk with God. And all the reason I'm saying all these things and I begin to tell you as I open this morning is that we're living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, where there are so many traps for Christians today. And I believe that one of the biggest things that the devil is using today to destroy the lives of Christian people or to keep us all in a lukewarm state is negligence. Negligence to the purity that God has called us to live by. First Timothy 4 and 12 says, don't let anyone look down because you are young, young people. But set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith. And what else? In what? In other words, you can't even use this excuse of being too young. Don't consider your youth an, a, 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 as a, uh, a, a leverage to cause you to say, like, well, I'm just young. I didn't know any better. See, the Bible tells us that the Lord used to forgive ignorance. But there isn't anything ignorant anymore. We've been brought to the knowledge of God. Even the Bible says through creation, we know that the evolutionists cannot prove that the chicken came before the egg. They cannot disprove creation. So there's no excuse for us. We can't be negligent. We cannot be careless about our walk with God. You see, that destroys much. You see, I believe that one of the reasons why our witnessing, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm not spanking you. I'm trying to raise your awareness to the importance of our walk with God. You want success in the Lord. I want success in the Lord. This is for me. I'm embracing these things and I'm feeding this into my own spirit because these are things that I desire in my heart. I want to be approved by God. But I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the reasons why our witnessing is so ineffective. It's because of our negligence. Yeah. Our lack of purity. We are of the gospel today. Sadly enough, do what I tell you. Don't do what I do. We are of the gospel. We spend time sharing the gospel. You do what I tell you. Don't do what I practice. That's a bad gospel. We try to raise our children that way. We've got a dad that can't handle himself as negligent with his own walk with God, but yet he's trying to tell his children to go to church. 
a husband, a wife, a family member, anybody. You got a pastor, anybody. Anybody who leads others trying to tell people how to live why they themselves do not practice what they preach. All it is is negligent. Daniel was not negligent. He considered his pureness as a priority. And we need to do the same. Matthew 24 and 45 reads, Who then is the faithful and wise servant, servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at their proper time? This is a question. It will be good for a servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. The responsible one. The one who's not negligent with his walk. One who watches himself in purity. One who watches himself in trustworthiness. Who will say yes and his yes will be yes. Someone who will say, I will do this and I will do this. All in the name of saving your testimony. That your testimony might be effective in reaching others that will find trust in, in you. And finally this morning, Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Here's a glimpse of his prayer. Now then Daniel learned that the decree had been published and he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I don't know how many times from this pulpit, ladies and gentlemen, and as I begin to close this morning, how many times we've spoken from this pulpit and said that prayer is such a lost art. Prayer is such a lost art. But you will never succeed unless we pray. We'll never get ahead unless we pray. We'll never excel unless we learn to pray and trust God. Your conversation with God, ladies and gentlemen, every day reveals your trust in God every day. How many of us go through a week and say, you know, I didn't even pray this week. That means you made it barely on your own. You're very fortunate by the grace of God you've survived this week because nobody can live a week without God. Some of us do. Some of us survive and scrape our knees through life. Things are happening. Then we complain, why are all these things that are so negative in my life going on? Have you taken time to ask for direction? Have you taken time to speak to the Lord, the one who ordains the steps, the Bible says, of the righteous? Daniel was a man of prayer. There's a misconception in this world today, ladies and gentlemen, that tells you that if you want to get ahead in this world, you must conform and do things the way the world does things. But I tell you that today there are many Christians who demonstrate that when one dares to be a Daniel, there is even greater success. Because you will build a successful life that will last forever. Millions of people today are 
in search of success, monetarily, position, power, possessions. But I pray, and it is my job, my duty, my responsibility, my commitment to remind you while the Lord has me in this body that our success comes only from living for God because you will be able to enjoy those treasures not only here and now, but when you see him face to face. Would you stand to your feet this morning? What is it good for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? I pray that this morning our prayer would be and our confession would be as it was for Paul. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Success without compromise is something very few people practice these days. How I pray that here at Rock of Ages, listen to me carefully when I say this, it becomes a standard of living. That that becomes a standard for your home. That we learn, embrace, and commit with every ounce of conviction and say we will be successful in Christ without any kind of compromise. Regardless. If you know the story of Daniel, you'll find out that uh, serving the Lord took him all the way to the challenge of potentially lo losing his life. Wasn't Daniel the one that was thrown into a den of lions? Hey, that's a good time to change your mind. Were there a few Hebrew boys that were thrown in a fiery furnace that was heated up seven times over because he knelt down to pray and would not give allegiance to an idol? That's a good time to change your mind about serving the Lord, isn't it? It's a good time to change your mind about serving Jesus when things get tough. But it wasn't for Daniel. Daniel confessed and reiterated the words, echoed the words of Joshua when he said, for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, ladies and gentlemen, as I ask you to pray with me, that that would be a standard of our living. That we as men, as women, as young people, would embrace the standard of living and say, I am going to be successful, but not successful according to the world. I'm going to be successful according to God. And I will be successful not only with these earthly possessions that one desires at times or needs, but with eternal treasures in heaven. And I will not compromise. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.